chapter 14, the mercy of God. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 136, verse 1. For this perfection of the divine character is greatly to be praised. Three times over, in as many verses, does the psalmist here call upon the saints to give thanks unto the Lord for this adorable attribute. And surely this is the least that can be asked from, for from those who have been recipients of such bounty. When we contemplate the characteristics of this divine excellency, we cannot do otherwise than bless God for it. His mercy is great, 1 Kings 3.6, plenteous, Psalm 86, verse 5, tender, Luke 1, 78, abundant, 1 Peter 1, 3, it is from everlasting to everlasting unto them that fear him, Psalm 103, verse 17. Well may we say with the psalmist, I will sing aloud of thy mercy, Psalm 59, verse 16. I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Exodus 33:19. Wherein differs the mercy of God from his grace? The mercy of God has its spring in the divine goodness. The first issue of God's goodness is his benignity, benignity or bounty, by which he gives liberally to his creatures as creatures. Thus he has given being and life to all things. The second issue of God's goodness is his mercy, which denotes the ready inclination of God to relieve the misery of fallen creatures. Thus, mercy presupposes sin. Though it may not be easy at, at the first consideration to perceive a real difference between the grace and the mercy of God, it helps us thereto if we carefully ponder his dealings with the unfallen angels. He has never exercised mercy towards them, for they had never stood in any need thereof not having sinned or come beneath the effects of the curse. Yet they certainly are the objects of God's free and sovereign grace. First, because of his election of them from out of the whole angelic race, 1 Timothy 5.21. Secondly, and in consequence of their election, because of his per preservation of them from apostasy, when Satan rebelled and dragged down with him one-third of the celestial host, Revelation 12.14. Thirdly, in making Christ their head, Colossians 2.10 and 1 Peter 3.22, whereby they are eternally secured in the holy condition in which they were created. Fourthly, because of the exalted position which has been assigned them, to live in God's immediate presence, Daniel 7.10, to serve him constantly in, the heavenly, in his heavenly temple, to receive honorable commissions from him, Hebrews 1.14. Thus is abundant grace towards them, but mercy it is not. In endeavoring to study the mercy of God as it is set forth in the Scripture, a threefold distinction needs to be made if the word of truth is to be rightly divided thereon. First, there is a general mercy of God which is extended not only to all men, believers and unbelievers alike, but also to the entire creation. His tender mercies are over all his works. Psalm 145, verse 9. He giveth to all life and breath and all things. Acts 17:25. God has pity upon the brute creation in their needs and supplies them with suitable provisions. Secondly, there is a special mercy of God which is exercised towards the children of men, helping and succoring them, notwithstanding their sins. 
To them also he communicates all the necessities of life, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Matthew 5.45 Thirdly, there is a sovereign mercy which is reserved for the heirs of salvation, which is communicated to them in a covenant way through the mediator. Following out a little further, the difference between the second and third distinctions pointed out above, it is important to note that the mercies which God bestows on the wicked are solely of a temporal nature. That is to say, they are confined strictly to this present life. There will be no mercy extended to them beyond the grave. It is a people of no understanding. Therefore he hath made them will he that made them will not have mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. Isaiah 27:11. But at this point, a difficulty may suggest itself to some of our readers. Namely, does not Scripture affirm that his mercy endureth forever? Psalm 136, verse 1. Two things need to be pointed out in that connection. God can never cease to be merciful, for this is a quality of the divine essence. Psalm 116, verse 5. Five, but the exercise of his mercy is regulated by a sovereign will. This must be so, for there is nothing outside himself which obliges him to act. If there were, that something would be supreme, and God would cease to be God. It is pure sovereign grace which alone determines the exercise of divine mercy. God expressly affirms this fact in Romans 9.15, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. It is not the wretchedness of the creature which causes him to show mercy, for God is not influenced by things outside of himself as we are. If God were influenced by the abject misery of leprous sinners, he would cleanse and save all of them. But he does not. Why? Simply because it is not his pleasure and purpose to do so. Still less, it is the merits of the creature which causes him to bestow mercies upon them, for it is a contradiction in terms to speak of meriting mercy, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, Titus 3.5, the one standing in direct antithesis to the other. Nor is it the merit of Christ which moves God to bestow mercies on his elect. That would be substituting the effect for the cause. It is through or because of the tender mercy of our God that Christ was sent here to his people. Luke 1.78 The merits of Christ make it possible for God to righteously bestow spiritual mercies on his elect, justice having been fully satisfied by the surety. No, mercy arises solely from God's imperial pleasure. Again, though it be true, blessedly and gloriously true, that God's mercy endureth forever, yet we must observe carefully the objects to whom his mercy is shown. Even the casting of the reprobate into the lake of fire is an act of mercy. The punishment of the wicked is to be contemplated from a three-point threefold viewpoint. From God's side, it is an act of justice, vindicating his honor. The mercy of God is never shown to the prejudice of his holiness and righteousness. From their side, it is an act of equity when they are made to suffer the due reward of their iniquities. But from the standpoint of the redeemed, the punishment of the wicked is an act of unspeakable mercy. How dreadful would it be if the present order of things when the children of God are obliged to live in the midst of the children of the devil, should continue forever. Heaven would be at one, heaven would at once cease to be heaven if the ears of the saints 
still heard the blasphemous and filthy language of the reprobate. What a mercy that in the new Jerusalem there shall be no there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither worketh abomination. Revelation twenty one twenty seven. Lest the reader might think in the last paragraph we have been drawing upon our imagination, let us appeal to Holy Scripture in support of what has been said. In Psalm 143:12, we find David praying, And of the, thy mercy cut off mine enemies, and destroy all of them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Again, in Psalm 136, verse 15, we read that God overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. It was an act of vengeance upon Pharaoh and his host, but it was an act of mercy upon the Israelites. Again, in Revelation 19, verses 1 to 3, we read, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. From what has just been before us, let us note how vain is the presumptuous hope of the wicked, who, notwithstanding their continued defiance of God, nevertheless count upon his merciful, being merciful to them. How many there are who say, I do not believe that God will ever cast me into hell. He is too merciful. Such a hope is a viper, which, if cherished in their bosoms, will sting them to death. God is a God of justice as well as mercy, and he has expressly declared that he will by no means clear the guilty. Exodus 34.7 Yea, he has said, the wicked shall be turned into hell. All the nations shall forget God. I, Psalm 9, verse 17 as well might men reason thus, I do not believe that if filth be allowed to accumulate and sewage becomes stagnant and people deprive themselves of fresh air, that a merciful God will let them fall a prey to a deadly fever. The fact is that those who neglect the laws of health are carried away by disease, notwithstanding God's mercy. Equally true is it that those who neglect the laws of spiritual health shall forever suffer the second death. Unspeakably solemn is it to see so many abusing this divine perfection. They continue to despise God's authority, trample upon his laws, continue in sin, and yet presume upon his mercy. But God will not be unjust to himself. God shows mercy to the truly penitent, but not to the impenitent. Luke 13.3 to continue in sin and yet reckon upon divine mercy, remitting punishment, is diabolical. It is saying, let us do evil that good may come, and of all such it is written that their damnation is just. Romans 3.8 Presumption shall most certainly be disappointed. Read carefully Deuteronomy 29 verses 18 to 20. Christ is the spiritual mercy seat, and all who despise and reject his lordship shall perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Psalm 2.12 But let our final thought be of God's spiritual mercies unto his own people. Thy mercy is great unto the heavens. Psalm 57.10 The riches thereof transcend our loftiest thought. For as the heavens is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. 
Psalm 103, verse 11. None can measure it. The elect are designated vessels of mercy, Romans 9, 23. It is mercy that quickened them when they were dead in sins, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. It is mercy that saves them, Titus 3, 5. It is his abundant mercy which begat them unto an eternal inheritance, 1 Peter 1, 3. Time would fail us to tell of his preserving, sustaining, pardoning, supplying mercy. Unto his own God is the Father of mercy, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.